Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Today, I want to talk to you about some things uh, uh, as we start this new series. And, and before we actually start it, I want to give you a heads up about this. It's a new series that we're calling The Bridge. It's only for two weeks, this week and next week. And it, it's, a, it's a series about relationships, about friendships specifically. Um, and, and I think that this has the ability to say, okay, this is just a light teaching. This is just a kind of an easygoing teaching. I, I want to say a couple things about that. First of all, it's not. First of all, the, the Bible says a lot about friendship, about relationships in the Bible. I mean, think about it. He didn't make it out of the first few chapters of Genesis where, where he said, where God said, it's just not good for man to be alone. So that's how important relationships are. The second thing is relationships have the ability to change your entire future. Show me, you've heard this phrase before, show me your future, I'll show you your friends. Or show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That your friends actually determine your destiny. Your friends will actually determine where, where you're going in life. They actually determine that. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Friends are very, very, it's a very important subject that we talk about. The Bible talks about it a lot, and you're going to hear that over this week and next week. And then I want to tell you something, too. Next Sunday morning, we're specifically going to deal with this idea, the topic of uh, concerning friendships of being rejected or being offended, being rejected or being offended. And this is something that I really wanted to teach months and months and months ago, and I just didn't feel like the Lord had released me to teach this until, until now, and it's going to happen next Sunday morning. So whatever you do, don't miss next Sunday morning. Make sure that you're here. As, as we really conclude this, um, this series, The Bridge, but we conclude it by talking about a very, very important issue. I want to say it like this, everybody. Uh, 2018, my wife and I prayed, 2018 was kind of a a very unique year. It, I'm not going to say that it was rough. It was just very unique. It was different. And my wife and I said that really throughout the entirety of 2018, we really felt like there was just a spirit of unrest here at the church. We, we couldn't put our finger on it for the longest time. We just felt it. And um, I, I started having elders come to me, several of them, in fact, and said, you know what? We, we don't think it's just a spirit of unrest because I had acknowledged that to multiple people that, hey, let's pray about this. They said, you know, we really feel like it's a spirit of offense, a spirit of offense. And, and that wasn't just, um, and I'm not talking about me offending people. I'm just talking about this generation throughout the United States, maybe throughout the world, just, they, it's just, they're just easily offended, just easily offended. And I'm going to tell you something. It's so unbiblical. It's so unbiblical, and we have to, we have to fight against that uh, according to the Word of God, according to the will of God. We've got to just come against that. And, and many of you might have looked back over 2018 and said, boy, Pastor, you're right. I've just been offended. Well, can I, can I tell you, that's not healthy for you. It's not, it's not a right way to live life, and, and that will not, lead, you know, living in offense will not lead you to the abundant life that God has called you to. 
And I want to encourage you, don't miss next Sunday as we talk about this huge issue. It's going to be, it's going to be great. You're going to be free from a lot of things that has happened in your life. So that being said, are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? Okay, get out your sermon notes. If you have your Bibles, we'll use those too. A lot of the verses, in fact, I don't know if any of the verses are going to be on the screen today. We'll, um, but we're going to start by something I found from John Maxwell, and I've been holding this for a long time, but it's so great. And this is just concerning others, concerning the friends that you already have in your life. I'm going to, I'm going to give a description of people that you already know, friends that you already have, and, and, and um, that's how this is going to kickstart. So here we go. Uh, first of all, everybody in this room, you know of somebody who is the critic, always complains or offers unwanted advice. You know somebody who's just the critic. They're always criticizing you. You feel like you can never make them happy. They're just the critic. Then we have the martyr, forever the victim, and they're racked with self-pity. It's like everybody else gets what they want. I don't ever get anything. You're always blessed, and I'm never blessed. Just, it's just they're racked with self-pity. They're just the martyr. Well, if anybody has to take the hit, I guess I'll take the hit. I guess I'll be the one to miss out. Okay, so, so that's frustrating. The wet blanket. This is the person who's pessimistic and automatically negative. The person who's pessimistic and automatically negative. So, so they can go and have a riot at Disney World all day, and they can laugh for 23, uh, 23 hours and 59 minutes. They can be in laughter. But what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about that one minute in their day where they ate a hot dog that they didn't like. Well, that hot dog, I can't believe I paid that amount of money for that hot dog. Well, what about the rest of the day? How many know what I'm talking about? The wet blanket, somebody who just complains automatically. The steamroller, they crush others and they just keep on going. They're insensitive. They just, they just have this way about them that they don't care what they say. They, they think in their mind, well, I've got an opinion and I'm just going to state my opinion and I don't care who it hurts. Well, they're the steamrollers. They're insensitive. They crush people and they just keep on going. You got the gossip. That's obvious. They just spread rumors and leak secrets, and they're irritating uh, friends to have. You got the control freak, unable to let go and let be. The control freak, unable to let go and let be. That, that means they're always trying to control the surround, control what they do, control what they don't do. They're trying to manipulate to get their way, to get what works best for them. They're just the control freak. Then you got the backstabber, a two-faced attacker of the, de of the defenseless. Somebody who, who says they're your friend, but they're going to stab you when you turn around. When you're defenseless, when you're not there to defend yourself, or when, you, when you're, you're not expecting it, they're going to verbally attack you, not to your face, but they're going to attack you in front of other people. It's the backstabber. You got the cold shoulder. When somebody's offended, they just disengage and, and, and they avoid contact. Like if I'm offended, if I'm bothered, if I'm mad at you, I'm just going to disengage, I'm going to pull out, and I'm just going to avoid even looking at you. I don't even want to look at you. It's the cold shoulder. Then you have the green-eyed monster, just seethes with envy. I remember one time I went on a sabbatical, and, and uh, I, I was telling somebody who, who was bivocational, um, his pastor's a, a, a smaller church, much smaller church. They were bivocational. I said, he said, well, how did you get this sabbatical? You know, I said, well, it's just part of our, our government here at the church. It's something that we do, not just the senior pastor, but everybody does. Every seven years, we get to take an extended break. Um, and, and just receive rest from the wall. And he, he's, well, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you the real heroes. The real heroes are the bivocational pastors who we have to work a job and pastor church at the same time, and we never get a sabbatical. That's a green-eyed monster, everybody. He just seethes with envy. 
Not happy for you that you get to do something, just mad because he doesn't. Everybody get that? Not mad that you, I mean, just, you know, well, well, how come you get a new car and I don't get a new car and I deserve it? I work harder than you. I work more hours than you. Whack. Green-eyed monsters are irritating, aren't they? How many know as friends, real friends, we're meant to celebrate with one another? The Bible says that if somebody celebrates, celebrate with them. Don't, don't, uh, well, that's another, there we go. Volcano. Build steam and is ready to erupt. And you don't know what it's going to happen. And this is typically, you would say, this is typically a guy thing. Can I tell you? <laughs> no. How many moms do we have in the room? How many moms? Okay, you've been a volcano. You've had some steam build up and all of a sudden just erupted, right? It's just the volcano. You never know what it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Then you have the sponge, always taking but never giving. Always taking but never giving. These are the ones who are professionals at knowing exactly what you should be giving them. They're professionals at it. Like, well, this is what I need. This is what I need. Why can't you just do this? Why can't you? And they're never giving anything back. I call them life suckers. They just suck the life out of you, don't they? I mean, they, every time, it's the person, when they come in the room, you're like, oh, <laughs> what do you want now? What do you want now? That's the sponge. That's the sponge. You're looking at the sponge. Then you have the scorekeeper. They, ex- they, um, they, they expect to be repaid just for being nice. And my wife and I, we've talked about this over the years. We had scorekeepers, especially other, other families or other moms. If I would ever tell Jennifer, hey, we need a babysitter for some night. Why don't you call so-and-so? She would say, no, I'm never going to call so-and-so. Well, why not? Because if I ask so-and-so to babysit, I guarantee you next week they're going to be calling me and saying, now it's your turn. It's the scorekeeper. It's the scorekeeper. It's the one who says, well, I did this for you. Now you've got to do this for me, and I expect you to do this for me, and that's not a very good friend to be, is it? I mean, that's kind of frustrating. How many moms you know about the scorekeeping babysitting thing? You, that rings a bell with you, right? Like if you, if you babysit my kids, then I'm obligated to babysit your kids, and that probably has to be pretty soon. See, when we, when we go through this list, this is so what's amazing about it. When we go through that list, and there's, there's more, but I just kind of condensed it to the main ones. You go through that list, and, and every time I brought up a person and then described what they're like, every single one of you thought of somebody, didn't you? You're like, oh, the sponge, I know who that is. Oh, the green-eyed monster, I know who that is. Oh, the critic, oh, the wet blanket, oh, the cold shoulder, I know exactly who that is. I'm dealing with that right now. Every single one of you, as we read that list, you had people coming to your mind. The problem was you didn't come to your own mind. Let me say it like this. The problem was, as I read that list, somebody thought about you. Somebody thought about you. Like, who are you? Are you the scorekeeper? Are you the life sucker? Are you the sponge? Are, are, are you the one that, that is going to erupt and, and unexpectedly just because you happen to build up some steam? As I was going through this, I decided to look, take a look at this, at this list and, and just say, okay, as I read this list, where would I pop up in somebody else's mind? And, and it, it hit me like that. I know exactly. Top of the list, I know who I am here. Are you ready for transparency on my part? I'm the control freak. Unable to let go and let be. I'm the control freak. Because here, here's what happens. And my parents have told me about this for years and years. By the way, they're sitting right back there, and they know that, that I'm exactly right right now. 
Um, Mom and dad, do you know that I'm right? Amen. See, I told you. <laughs> because this is what happened. It, just, just for instance, if we're making plans as a family, and let's say that we're on vacation together, we're, we're just having a, a weekend away or something, and we make plans on a Friday night, say, okay, everybody, let's meet tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, and then we're going to do this. Well, either later that night or first thing the next morning, I'm going to text everybody and say, no, let's not do that. Actually, if we meet here, then we can go over here, and then we can go over here, and then we'll be able to beat traffic, or we'll be able to beat the rush, or we'll be able to do that. Like, I'm going to process the plan, and I'm going to come up with a better plan, and I'm just going to take it for granted that everybody else thinks my plan is best, because Justin thought it through. How many control freaks do we have in the room? You think things through, and you just think it ought to make sense for everybody else. And my parents accused me for many years, and they were right. Justin, you kind of just change things all the time. Like, you just change things all the time. And I do that not because I want to be in control. That's what's funny about it. It's not that I want to be in control. I just want to have the best time possible. I just want everything to go as smooth as possible. I want everybody to enjoy themselves. Like, my motive is pure But out of a pure motive comes control, unable to let go and let be. And I'm learning that lesson in life. Just if whatever the plan is, I try my best just to go with it, just to go with it. And still sometimes I can't keep my mouth shut. And I know my problem, everybody. I know my problem. What's your problem? Like, what's your problem? Are you the critic? Are you the wet blanket? Or are you, are you the pessimist? You're just always negative? Are you the steamroller? Somebody came after church, and, and she came up to me in a very loud voice. She says, all right, I'm the steamroller. And I'm like, well, I can tell just the way that you said that. I can tell. You're the steamroller. Are you the gossip? Are you the control freak? Are you the backstabber? Are you the cold shoulder? Are you the cold shoulder where you just, you just totally disengage and I just want to avoid all contact because that makes me uncomfortable? I'm, that's not me. In fact, my wife and I were talking over this weekend. Um, I, I, I teach my kids this. I teach my wife this. I teach my leaders this. Whoever I'm around, I want them to feel like they're the most important person in the world. Like whoever I'm around, I just treat them like the most important person in the world. And, and that could be, and you'll see it every Sunday morning, whoever I'm with, I'm giving them my full attention. And there might be 100 people passing by me. But right now, whoever I'm talking to, they are the most important person in the world to me. And, and I just listen to them. And I, I, it's just what I, I saw. So a cold shoulder, that's just not me. But maybe it is for some of you. See, as I read through that list, somebody thought of you. And, and this, this series, hopefully even today, is going to help you correct something in your life. That needs to be corrected, not only in those areas, but in more areas. In fact, let's go to the next portion on the sermon notes concerning me. So now we've talked about others, but really we were talking about ourselves as well. Now definitely talking about ourselves concerning me. Number one, write this down. I can't live a right life with the wrong friends. I cannot live a right life with the wrong friends. So what I'm going to do today is is the first thing is I'm going to point out to you, first of all, that you're not the perfect friend. That there, there, I guarantee you, there is a personality trait in you, like I'm the control freak, there's a, there's a personality trait in me that needs to change. No doubt there is a personality trait inside of you that needs to change. And by the way, Jesus wants it to change. Jesus wants it to change. 
There's something in you about being a friend and how to be a friend that needs to change, and he wants it to change in you because he wants you to be a great friend. He, he wants you to be a true friend to others, and I'm helping you do that today. I can't live a right life with the wrong friends. 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, we're going to talk about that in a second. Let me... Let me um, let me explain this a little bit more. First of all, I want to say this. Who you are is actually who you attract. So if you just say, Blaine, I'm just always attracting the wrong friends, could it be that you're attracting exactly who you are? And what I've learned in my life is in order to go where I want to go or in order to be who I want to be, I have to put myself around people who are either already on their way there or who have already arrived. I'm going to say that again. I need to put myself around people who are already on their way there or who have already arrived considering who I want to be or where I want to go. So for instance, this has been a constant conversation between uh, the church council and me for, for many years And thankfully, by the grace of God, I found people in my life that helped me out. But for many years, I was looking for a mentor. I was looking for somebody who's already been through what I'm about to go through or who's already been successful in a few areas because I know something that most people don't know. In order to live a right life, I need to get away from the wrong people. In order to live a right life, I need to put myself around people who are right people. Because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if I want to be a great man of God, I need to put myself around people who are great men of God. If I want to be a great husband, I need to sit under some people who are great husbands. If I want to be a great father, I need to learn from other men who are great fathers. How many know what I'm talking about? If I want to be a great pastor, if I want to be a great leader, I have to have a mentor. I have to have somebody above me that I can go to and just sit under and learn from them. Why? Because I want to be better. And in order to go where I want to go and be who I want to be, I have to, I have to purposely choose who to be friends with. Can I, can I tell you something? Um, I'm, I'm very choosy with my friends. Now, I'm a friend of everybody. But I'm talking about my friends, friends, like my best friends, my true friends. I'm picky about those people. You know why? Because after, after conversation, I want to be better. I want to think better. I want to have a better heart, a better motive, a better attitude. You know what I'm talking about? But bad company, don't be misled. It corrupts good character. You can't live a right life with the wrong friends. And yet, who you are is exactly who you'll attract. Let me say it this way. In order to have a friend that is already where you want to be, they're already there, you have to go choose them. They probably won't naturally come to you. That's what I found in my life. So so for instance, let, let me give you an example. And I'm just talking about leadership here. I have a lot of pastors who want to hang around me concerning leadership because they're pastoring in rural communities, you know, not inner city stuff, just like a Plymouth, just in other parts, and they're, they're, they're coming to me and saying, hey, we want to be your friends. Why? Why is that? Because I have something to teach them. The problem is, 
I have to go to somebody else. They're, 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 they're people that, yeah, they're friends of mine, but they're not the people that I learn from. They learn from me. But I need to have somebody in my life that I'm still learning from. Everybody get that? That's going to lead me in another direction into a new level that I've never been to. And I'm, I'm telling you, this, this stuff is important, not just in the Christian community, but just in life. Just in life. So, so I've used this example a lot because it's, it's a great example and it's a true story. Uh, one time, I, I, uh, this is when the church just started a long time ago. I had, I, there was a couple of ladies that were sitting next to each other. And, and one of them had uh, children, multiple children, and all of them were rebellious. All of them. Like, none of them loved Jesus. And this other dear lady was just looking for advice. And she goes to this, to this friend of hers who's, whose children are totally rebellious and says, you know what, I'm really struggling as a parent. What should I do? Now that my children are, and I was screaming out on the inside, don't ask her. She doesn't know. Look at her kids. They're awful. Like, don't ask her. It's like if somebody's been divorced five times, you don't go to them for marriage advice. You know what I'm talking about? So you need to have friends in your life that are better than you, that are smarter than you that are more loving than you, that are more servant-hearted than you, that are better leaders than you. You need people in your life that are better than you. And by the way, if you attract who you are, you're going to have to be a little choosy about those friends. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to go after them because they probably won't naturally come to you. And it took me years to find mentors in my life. And I chose them and I went to them and said, hey, can you help a brother out? And every one of them said, Absolutely. And by the way, every one of them had somebody in their life that was, that was better off than they were. Every one of them. I'm telling you, that's a powerful way to live life right there. Surround yourself with people who are better than you, who know more than you, who are more godly than you. And I'll tell you, that will help you have a very, very good future. If you hang out with wise, the Bible says this way, Justin's paraphrase, if you hang out with wise people, you'll be wise. If you hang out with wise people, you'll be wise. You say, that's not in the Bible. Well, look it up. It's there. It's just, I don't know word for word, but it's there. How many know it's there? You can attest. It really is there. Okay, good, good, good. I'm not alone. There we go. Number two, bad company produces ministry, not mentors. So this is, a, this is attached to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Number two, bad company produces ministry and not mentors. It produces ministry and not mentors. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked actually lead them astray. The, the godly give wise counsel to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. I, I'm going to teach you something today about this. Because a lot of, a lot of times people think that their current friends um, are, are really their, their best friends. You, you consider them friends and not a ministry. Let, let me say it like this, that we... that. We, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. I'm going to say it again. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Now, I'm going to give you some illustrations about that in just a second. It's all going to make sense. Um, let me say it another way then. To be who I want to be, I have to connect 
I have to connect with people that, like I said, who are already there or at least on their way. When, when, as a leader, as, as a husband, as a father, sometimes, boy, this sounds wrong to say. I, I, don't, I better change the way I say this. When, when you're a person of strength, when you have some things going on in your life, you'll impress certain people. They'll look up to you and say, wow, he's really got that together. She's really got that together. Wow, he's really good at that. She's really good at this. And they'll look up to you, but that doesn't mean that you've connected with them. Because people are, are impressed with strengths, but they, but they connect. We all connect through our weaknesses, through our weaknesses. And that's both good and it can be bad. It's both good and bad simultaneously. Because there, let's face it, everybody, there are some small groups that meet, and they are meeting, they are connecting because of their weakness. I have a weakness in this area. I'm not a very good parent, so I'm going to connect with other people who understand that they're not good parents, and we're going to sit under somebody who is a good parent or who was a good parent. Everybody see what I'm saying? So you can connect with your weaknesses, it's those two ladies that, that were sitting in church years and years ago, probably 14 years ago now, is our, our second location. It was those two ladies that were connecting, one of them looking at the other saying, please help me. They were connecting over their weaknesses, which can be very powerful if you have somebody of strength nearby. But what if you don't have that person of strength? What if you don't have that mentor? What if you don't have that coach? What if you don't have the type of friend that'll lead you out of it? Well, all of a sudden, you're just going to repeat each other's disasters. All of a sudden, you're saying, hey, what did you do with your children who are rebellious? Oh, well, this is what I did. I just, oh, I'll do that too. That sounds good. Well, why? They weren't successful. It didn't work. What was that conversation missing? Somebody who was successful in that area. That's what the conversation was missing. Bad company produces ministry, not mentors. And you need to differentiate in your life. I'm telling you, hey, everybody, this is good stuff. You need to differentiate in your life who is your mentor and who is your ministry. Who is your mentor and who is your ministry. If somebody is not succeeding in an area of their life, they're not the one to listen to. In fact, you might, you're probably called to minister to them. But if you have a weakness in your life, you need to go find somebody who's successful and have them mentor you. And you need to know the difference between who's mentoring you and who your ministry really is. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say it like this too. Bad company produces ministry and not mentors, and yet sometimes we get that, we get that confused. Um, there's a lot of people who struggle in, in their relationship with Christ, and they keep finding themselves going forward and then falling back, and then going forward and falling back, and going forward and falling back. And they, they get to know Jesus, and they love Jesus for a little while, but then they fail. And then they, oh, i got to get serious with God, and so they do, and then they fail over and over and over again. And you know what the one thing? that I see all the time when somebody just continually fails? Bad company. They go back to the friends that, well, we've been friends since kindergarten. Well, it, it, it doesn't mean they're not stupid. Is that too blunt for you guys? 
Well, we've been friends since junior high. Well, that doesn't mean they should be your mentor. It doesn't mean that, that, that they're not going to pull you away from a Christ that you want to know and love. And can I tell you something, New Song? Sometimes one of the most difficult things that you'll, you'll have to do in this life is you'll have to sever harmful relationships, even with those that you've known for a long time. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be friends. But you need to differentiate what type of friend you are. At some point in your life, there, there have been points in my life where I've, I've realized that a relationship has changed, that I've outgrown them in the Lord, that they have not progressed like I've progressed, and now it was my duty not to go back to the, to the way things were, but actually to help them come out of the, the way that things were and move on to the next level in Christ. I knew that at that moment I was to be a mentor and that they were my ministry. Everybody see that? And I think there's some relationships in your life that you need to, we call it DTR, determine the relationship. Are they your ministry? Do they keep, if, let me say, are they your ministry or are they your mentor? When you hang out with them, do you become like your old self before Christ? Or do they push you to get closer to Christ? And if you become like the old you and you sink back into old ways, can I tell you something? There, there needs to be a change in that relationship. You need to view it a different way. You need to connect with them on a different level. You need to change the circumstances somehow. Not that you're not friends with them anymore. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the, the relationship needs to change where you have to understand, well, now I'm their mentor and they're my ministry. And now when they want to go and they say, hey, man, let's go back out here. Let's go. Remember that one time we went to this one place? Why don't we go back there again? No, you know what? I don't think God wants me to do that anymore. Why don't you, just, why don't you and I just hang out doing this instead? You, you see what I'm saying? I'm talking about defining the relationship and leading them on a different path, leading them in a different way. Let me talk to you about this a little bit more. Number three, write this down. Few friends are actually true friends. Few friends are actually true friends. So a lot, of, a lot of you in your life, you think that you have some, some friends that are your true friends. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here in a second that they may not be. It doesn't mean they're not longtime friends, but are they true friends? Proverbs 18.24 says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. There is a difference between convenient friends and covenant friends. A convenient friend is somebody that you connect with, maybe you've connected with them for a long time, and you hang out, and you have fun, and you have lots of laughter, and blah, 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 blah. But then over the course of time, when something, when something happens, all of a sudden, they back away, they, they, they pull away from you, and you realize they weren't a true friend after all. They were a convenient friend. But under a covenant friendship, that means I'm going to stick by you no matter what. No matter your failures, I'm going to stick by you because we are covenant friends. And convenient friendship is not necessarily bad. In that, when, like next week when a small group starts, we want every one of you to get involved in a small group. And no doubt, you're going to meet some people that you've never met before. And you're going to start building some friendships just layer by layer, layer by layer. And, and it might start off as a convenient friendship. 
Hey, wow, I met somebody who just enjoys the same thing that I enjoy. So let's just, uh, just talk about a woodworking small group. You get a bunch of people around, they're all woodworking, all of a sudden they realize, wow, we love hanging out with each other. We, lo- we have this hobby, we have this interest um, that we have together. We're, we're just like-minded in that. And, and hey, we're becoming friends. And you see each other at church, you shake hands, and hey, how's it going? And hey, have you worked on that project anymore? And those are just convenient friends, convenient friendships. And those aren't bad. But we want those convenient friendships to to go deeper and deeper and deeper until they become covenant friendships, until they're the type of friendship that says, hey, listen, where have you been? What have you been doing? Hey, there's been some, I can see that there's something wrong. Let me help you out. And if somebody fails, that you just walk through it with them, that you just say, hey, listen, I'm not just a friend on a a convenient day. I'm I'm a friend no matter what. Like, I'm going to walk through this with you no matter what. So let me give you some examples of that. And I'm, I'm, te- I'm teaching you guys how to be true friends. I, I, there, over the past 14 plus years since we started the church, there have been several times where people have come into my office and have admitted to having an affair. And I want you to know how that conversation ends every single time. It ends every single time by me going to that person embracing them with a Christ-like embrace and saying to them, I will walk through this with you. Yep, I disagree with what you did. I think it's terrible what you did. But your failure does not affect our friendship. Your failure does not affect our friendship. That I still love you the same amount that I've always loved you. You know what? Yeah, you made a mistake, but I've been stupid too. I've made mistakes too. And I will not, I will not fail in this friendship. I'm going to walk through this with you. You say, well, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. Pastors are supposed to do that. Let, let, me, let me share with you something. You would think so. But do you know how many pastors across this nation have had moral failures? And every single one of their godly pastoral friends dumped them, wouldn't talk to them, didn't want to have anything to do with them. Well, if I talk to you, then people are going to think they're going to put me in the same box as you. They're going to look at me the the way that they look at you, and I don't want that. Or I'm pulling my ministry. I don't want my ministry to be associated with you whatsoever. And they just pull back. Well, let me tell you about a hero I have. His name is Tommy Barnett. He's a guy that, that is, is retired now, but he still works every day. Um, he pastored Phoenix First Assembly, a, a church in, in Phoenix, Arizona. He also started, it was him and his son that started the first Dream Center, and now there are hundreds of Dream Centers around the nation. And I, I remember uh, I, Tommy Barnett ran something called a pastor's school. His, his church is just, it just explodes. They just, it's just amazing. And uh, so he'd bring all these pastors there and just say, hey, here's what we do in ministry, and here's how we do it, and here's why we do it. And he just trains ministers. And I tell you what, he, Tommy rocked the, the ministry world, the pastoral world, because a long, long time ago, there was a man named Jim Baker who went stupid. How many know what I'm talking about? Jim Baker went stupid. Every pastor across this nation dumped Jim Baker like he was trash. 
but not Tommy Barnett. Tommy went to him and said, Jim, you've messed up. Jim had to go to jail, actually. And when Jim got out of jail, Tommy said, obviously, Tommy visited him in jail. And when he got out of jail, he said, you messed up. But I will not fail in our friendship. He said, I want you to come back to Phoenix. I'm going to put you in the Dream Center. You're going to go through that program. And when you come out, I'm going to restore you into ministry because I don't think your ministry is over with yet. Now, if you say, well, I don't like Jim Baker. I don't care. It's not, that illustration is not about Jim. That illustration is about Tommy, who decided to be a friend even in the middle of a failure. There was another guy that, that maybe a little bit more, uh, something that you guys would remember. This happened about 12 or 13 years ago. There was a man named Ted Haggard who pastored a very big church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is a church of about 14,000 people. And he had a moral failure, not only with drugs, but also with homosexuality. And almost every single pastoral friend that he had just dumped him, just said, we're done with you. Can't believe you did that. We're not going to associate with you. We don't want to have your reputation spread over to our, our, our ministries or our pastoral call. We're just over it. And um, I, I went to, again, pastor school down in Phoenix. It, was, it happens every February. And went down there. And after one of the events, uh, one of the evening uh, services, I was walking out to my car. And right ahead of me, guess who was right ahead of me? It was Ted Haggard. I thought, well, that's Ted Haggard. What's he doing here? That's pretty cool. He came to this conference. I wasn't bothered by it at all. Only for the next day. For Tommy, to get, Tommy Barnett to stand up and say, hey, by the way, I, I've been asked this question a lot. And yes, you may see Ted Haggard around here because we're restoring him. We're, we're, and, he, and he goes into this thing to say, hey, real friend, real friendships, when somebody fails, that doesn't mean the friendship has to fail. And I'm not going to fail somebody when we're friends. Now, you say, well, I don't like Ted Haggard. I, I, it's not about Ted Haggard. It's about Tommy Barnett, who says, listen, in in your worst days, on your worst day, I'll still be a friend to you. On your worst day, when everybody drops you, I'm still going to be a friend to you. Can I tell you something, new song? Somebody is going to fail you in friendship. I promise you, somebody will let you down. Somebody will discourage you. Somebody will hurt you. Somebody will offend you. But let me tell you what a true friend does. A true friend that we're all called to be, by the way. True friend sticks closer than a brother. Sticks to you like family. My my brother and I, we we not always we get along now, but we didn't always. I could tell you, I could tell you some stories about that. Uh, I threw my brother through two walls in one week. Um because we didn't get along. But he was still my brother. You know what I'm talking about? You feel the same way? Like, yeah, I didn't get along, but we were still family. Like, I could punch you, but nobody else can, right? Like, I could take it out on you, but boy, if somebody does, then, you know, then now, now I've got to protect my brother because we're still family. The Bible says, listen, a true friend is one who sticks closer than a brother, who sticks to you like family. Somebody, I promise you, a friend of yours is going to let you down. But don't fail them in that moment. That's not what true friends do. And we're called to be true friends, called to be true friends. Few friends are true friends, and that needs to change. 
Let me tell you about a true friend. Number four, they push you closer to God. We always use this uh, verse for men, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Can I tell you something? That applies to ladies just as much as it applies to men. That sharpen, that iron sharpens iron, that we are meant to push each other closer to God. A true friend will always push you closer to Christ. But somebody who is not a true friend will pull you from. And somebody's like, well, they're, they're my friend, though. They're my friend. No, they're not your friend. If they pull you away from Christ, they are not your friend. They're not a true friend. See, so, so let, 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 me, let me take a little tangent here. You, you, you're single, and you start dating somebody, and, and somebody asks you, are they a Christian? No, no, they're, they're not a Christian, but, but boy, they just love me, and they accept me, and they blah, 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 and all of a sudden, you, you, start, you, know, uh, you start failing in your prayer life and in your, in your devotional life, and then all of a sudden, you're not missing church, and somebody's challenging you, and hey, where have you been? Oh, we, we decided to go here. We decided to go there. Oh, but he loves me. He loves me. Or, or they, they go and say, oh, my, my boyfriend just asked me to move in together. I'm so, I'm so excited about that. And a true friend will come to you and say, no, it's not supposed to be like that. You know what the Bible says? That premarital sex, that's a sin. Don't do that. Oh, but he loves me, but he, but he loves me. He, he, no, no, no. Listen, that's not the guy for you. That's not the girl for you. Let me tell you why. Because a true friend will always push you closer to Christ. That's what true friends do. And I don't know about you, but my best friend in the whole world is my wife. My best friend is my wife. You think, well, we're not talking about relationships. We're just talking about friendships. How many know if you're, if you're married, you, you probably should be friends? Right? I mean, that's probably a good starting place. Well, I want my wife to push me closer to Christ. And I want to push her closer to Christ. And, and I, I, my wife and I were just talking about this over the weekend. We were just dealing with something. And I said, hey, listen, if this happens, then this is how I'm going to respond. And you need to know that this is how I'm going to respond. Why? Because it's the godly thing to do. I'm just going to push you towards the things of, of Christ. And it, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but you need to know my heart. My heart isn't to wound you. My heart is to help you. Is to help you. That's what true friends done. It do. And if sing, singles, listen, listen to your pastor. Listen to your pastor. If you're interested in somebody and you realize that you are getting further away from Christ, you need to dump them. There should have been like a hundred or hundred and fifty amens. <laughs> that needs to be said in this generation. It needs to be said in this generation. The friends, a true friend, you, the, the perfect spouse for you is not one that pulls you away from Christ, but one that pushes you towards Christ. And if, if you don't know that person yet, just wait. God will bring him or her to you. Just wait. My wife and I, uh, we both got to a point where we said, God, if I just have you, then I have everything. If I have to be single for the rest of my life, I'll be it. And I'll still be faithful to you because you're my best friend. And right after we had both got to that point in our lives where we said, God, I just want you more than I want anything else, even if I have to be single forever. Uh, after we both got just gotten there, that's when we met each other. And then um, six months later, we were married. Uh, three months after we met, we were engaged. Three months after that, we were married. You never know. You never know. Number five, true friends speak the truth. And that's kind of obvious because they're true friends. They speak the truth 
Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. When wounds from a friend can be trusted. They can be trusted because true friends speak the truth. Can, can, I, can I challenge you a new song? If somebody speaks truth to you, even if it hurts your feelings, ask yourself this question. Are they, are they right? Is it correct? So I've been told a lot of things. Um, I'm going to say it this way. I told the first service this way. I listen to everybody, but there, there's only a few people that actually have a voice in my life. I listen to everybody, but there's only a few people that really have a voice in my life. People that I trust, people that love me, that truly love me, that, that are going to push me closer to, to Christ. And if they say something, that there's something in my life that isn't right, it might hurt me. I might be wounded by it, but I promise you this, that if they say it, I'm going to look deep down inside and ask that question, but are they right? Is it true? Because wounds from a friend, those can be trusted. I have people in this church, everybody, other than the pastoral staff, other than the church council, there are elders in this church. In fact, Dick Flazenzier, who just went to be the Lord with the Lord, was one of these people that I went to, and I said, listen, if I ever say anything that's doctrinally incorrect, if, I, if I'm ever in an area teaching on an area or doing something that's not biblical, I give you permission. In fact, I invite you to challenge me in that area. And if you correct me in private, I'll correct it in public. If I say something that's doctrinally incorrect, you correct me in private. Don't correct me in public because that doesn't do anybody any, anybody any benefit. But if you correct me in private, I promise you I'll correct it in public. And, you know, there's been two times that I've had to do that. Not, not that they were like, in fact, they were the smallest of things, both of which times the other said, Justin, you don't have to say this at all. I said, no, 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 I gave you my word. If, if, one, one time I said something, and I just reworded it the wrong way. And everybody in the room knew exactly what I was saying. I just said it the wrong way. And they said, oh, you said that the wrong way. I said, I did, didn't I? Well, I'll fix that next, next week. They said, no, no, no. Everybody knew what you were saying. Yeah, nah. If you correct me in private, I'll correct it in public. And that next week, it was a Wednesday night service. I said, hey, remember when I said that last week? I, I worded that wrong, and I just wanted you guys to know that I worded that wrong. Would you forgive me? This is what I, this is what I wanted to say. And everybody's like, yeah, we knew what you're saying. You know? and so I have people that have a voice in my life that I listen to. Do you? Have you given your spouse permission to challenge you in areas of your life that you need to be challenged in? If not, you should, because your spouse knows you better than anybody. And I have this thing with Jennifer. Hey, if, if you see something in my life, I might not like it, but you can tell me, and I won't attack you. I might be silent for an hour or two, but I won't attack you, and I'll, I'll make it right. I'll make it right. And, and my wife and I, we challenge each other in those areas, and we're always working on things in our life. We're just, I'm so, I'm so I want you to know, I'm so glad to be married to a woman who, who works on those things in her life. And I promise you, she's happy to be married to a man who's not prideful. And if I'm challenged in an area and I'm wrong, then I'll change it. It, it might take me some, a little bit of time, but I'll work on it. And so there's sometimes where I'll, I'll tell her for weeks in a row, I'm sorry, I did it again, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying. And she's patient with me. And we have a great relationship because we, 
interact like that. We push each other closer to Christ. Everybody see that? You need a friend like that. That's what true friends do. They speak the truth. Last one's true friends are refreshing. The heartfelt counsel of a friend, Proverbs 27, 9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. And that means it's just refreshing. It's just refreshing. This past uh, week when my wife and I were on a cruise, I felt really stupid. I feel stupid a lot, actually. And um, um, sometimes, uh, I'll say it like this. So, so we were on this cruise ship, and I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise before, but every night, uh, we, we tried to sit at the same table every night, and we always sit by ourselves. We don't like sitting with other people because it's our, it's our you know, second honeymoon, as it were, and we just wanted to be together. But we got the same table, same waitress, same waiter. And the waitress that we had, her name was Ying, and she was from China. And the first time that she came to our table and waited on us, it's like, I just smelled this perfume that was just wonderful. I mean, just wonderful. I even told Jennifer, it's like, wow, she has the nicest perfume on. Well, Jennifer, she, she got a cold right before we left on the cruise. And so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, and so uh, she couldn't smell anything. And the next night, Ying came by, and I'm like, I purposely, the second night, I'm like, oh, smells so good. I told Jennifer, I said, I don't know what she's wearing, but it is wonderful. You know, like, I'm having a love affair with some perfume or something. It was really sick. And uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cheating on, on, on you via perfume, really is what it was, because her perfume is just better than yours. And... Um, <laughs> And I didn't say it like that. Trust me, I didn't. I, that was a joke. I did not say that. Um, and um, so the third night comes, and, and finally on the fourth or fifth night, my wife, her nose finally opens up, and she can start smelling something. And Ying comes by the, the table and waits on us. And, of course, I'm, you know, doing my sniff thing. And, and my wife, she must have joined me in that because Ying walked away. She said, you're right. That is really nice. I said, yeah, I know, right? I've never smelled it before, and it is very unique. And so Ying comes back to the table again, and of course, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to freak out this woman if I'm like, hey, what kind of perfume are you wearing? You know, it's, <laughs> that's sick. You know, that's perverted. So of course, I'm not going to say anything, but my wife, my wife actually does because she, she loves the perfume too. She says, Ying, I have to ask, what kind of perfume are you wearing? It really smells nice. And she told Ying, and my husband's been bragging about it all week, that you smell nice. And Ying's very, is very, very quiet and very reserved and um, uh, very humbly said, well, it's Chanel, and it's light green, and we had lemonade on our table. She said, it's kind of the color of that. Well, if you're on a cruise ship, you know that cruise ships often have like perfume shops where you just go in there and the whole thing is perfume. And so every night, my wife and I would go into the perfume shop, and we would spray ourselves with cologne because we're cheap like that. How many of you have ever done that, everybody? Come on, you've done that, right? You just kind of like, hey, it's free. And... Uh, so we'd been in this perfume shop, and I said, I wonder if they have that Chanel light green colored perfume. So we go in there, and sure enough, there's Chanel light colored green. And, and Jennifer said, is that the smell? I said, boy, I don't know. It probably smells different on you than it does. And so I sprayed Jennifer with it. And, um, um, and sure enough, just a, an hour or two later, she smells exactly like Ying. It's like, <sighs> it's incredible. And um, it's a true story. I, I know it's weird, but it's a true story. And then, we, and then we look at the price. And then we look at the price. And the, it's like 150 bucks for this Chanel. And I said, I'm sorry, baby. You're just going to have to go without. You know, it's not, 
I'm like, I love you, but not $150 worth, apparently, just for some alcohol with some sense in it. So if you think about it, that's what, that's what perfume is, right? Like alcohol with some sense in it. Can I, I mean, I can't pay 150 bucks for that. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. So maybe for our 25th, I might. And oh, let's see. My wife, by the way, she's so frugal. She would get mad if I spent that amount of money on perfume. She, she's not a spender. And, uh, but we sprayed it on my wife, and it, it was good. And even the next day when Yin comes back to the table, it, it's, like, it's like you just, so refreshing. This is so nice. And the Bible says that friends are refreshing, that when they come around, you just enjoy them being there. You're just like, ah, oh, so nice to have a friend. It's just refreshing, refreshing. And can I tell you a new song? Some of you are so You are so gung-ho. You are so aimed at finding a refreshing friend. I just need a friend who's going to refresh me. Could I tell you something? Stop that. And be a friend who refreshes. The Bible says if, if you want to have friends, you have to be a friend. So you have to be a friend who refreshes others. And I promise you, God will send somebody your way to refresh you. Men, I'm going to tell you just, you don't, we don't struggle with this like the ladies do. But ladies, you know what I'm talking about. There, there are so many women in this church that my wife ministers to that are just looking for a good friend, a true friend, a friend that is refreshing. For some reason, guys, we don't need it like the ladies do. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. Guys, we still need friends, but it's different for ladies. Lady, ladies, can I tell you something? Instead of going out of your way, looking who can refresh you. I want somebody to invest in me. I want somebody to ask about me. I want somebody to refresh me. Can I tell you? Do the opposite of what your, your, of what your flesh says to do. Be a friend who's refreshing. And all of a sudden, you'll be refreshed by others. The Bible actually says that. If you live to refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. That's what the Bible says. Can I tell you something even above and beyond all of that? Far more important. Jesus is a true friend. He sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. And Jesus will will bring you the greatest amount of refreshment you could ever experience in your life. Jesus can and will refresh you far more than any friend ever could. I promise you that. And before you start looking for friends around you, at your workplace, and your family, whatever. Can I just tell you, instead of looking around, why don't we just all look up first and, and just ask Jesus. I know this is so simple, but it's so true and so important that we say, Jesus, I just want you to be my best friend. I want to be refreshed by you because you're a friend who's always going to stick by me. And, and by the way, in your failure and in my failure, he's still a friend isn't he? And he'll teach you how to be a good friend. And he'll also teach you some friends that you have might, be, might not be so good after all. Jesus will truly be your best friend. The Bible even says he is a friend to the friendless. That's how good he is. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world as a friend to the friendless. Jesus, we realize that you're the best friend that we could ever have. And we're sorry for the times that we've looked elsewhere.
outside of true friendship with you. We've looked for intimacy with others before we looked for intimacy with you. And that was wrong of us. But we realize today, you are, Jesus, the perfect friend. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never walk away from us in our failures. You always speak the truth. You're very forgiving, very patient, very kind. Jesus, be my friend. Not just that, be my best friend. I choose you over any other person that I could choose in this world. I choose you to be my best friend. And I thank you that I am yours. I thank you that I can leave this place knowing that I really am a friend of God. Like your word says. Thank you. That I can have intimate moments with you just like this. That you love me and you care for me the way that you do. And that you embrace me like nobody else can. And you love me like nobody else can. And you encourage me and strengthen me like nobody else can. You're the best friend that I could ever have. Thank you for being my friend. And help me to be the friend to others that I'm supposed to be. Help me to speak the truth in love. Help me to be refreshing to others. Help me to understand who, who, who are my mentors, but also who's my ministry. Help me to be a true friend. And I pray that out of all of the friendships that I have in this world, that I would be a light in the darkness and that all of my friends, whether covenant friends or convenient friends, that all of my friends would know that you are the Lord of my life, that I would be a light among my friends, that I would be a beacon of hope because I have hope in you. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.